right, Javier Mendez, of all people, welcome to be my first guest on the new MMA headline segment of the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Are you surprised to be my first guest? Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. You know, I'm sure you had a many people waiting to get on. So, you so know, many I'm turned sure me that, down. You know, you, 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 yeah, you picked me. So, so many. That's pretty, pretty honored. The I'm only one left. Hundreds and hundreds of guests. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I started with like 100 or 110, and and like, yep, here we are. <laughs> All right. Uh, I was number 109. Yeah, something like <laughs> okay. that. Cool. So this is going to be the new segment where uh, I bring guests on, and you are my most common guest and my best friend, and, and what a perfect pers- person to bring on for the first uh, headline show, your expertise in the sport, one of the greatest coaches. I don't have to tell everybody that, uh, but I'm going to bring guests on, and instead of just doing podcasts about them and their lives and what's going on with them, which we can obviously talk about a little bit if you want, um, it's going to be talking about headlines so we can have great conversation about the news of the sport that we both love and cherish and have devoted our lives to um so i'll get started first headline is uh this has something to do with you a little bit but uh michael chandler believes that he he came out recently on mma fighting and said that he believes he can convince khabib to come out of retirement says he beat everybody but himself and oliviera um now that's interesting i mean i'm gonna get your opinion on that but i also want to follow that up real fast before you give your opinion and say that habib's last instagram post was a picture of himself with lorenzo fertita uh this was less than 24 hours ago and the caption read good to see you lorenzo dana send me location and it had a location ping which usually means get me a fight especially directed to dana um, and then this coming off, you know, so, so I guess my question is, uh, and what we can talk about is, do you think Chandler can get him to come out of retirement? Is that a fight worth him coming out if he can even come out? Cause as you know, I think you're pretty sed- steadfast that he's not. And then what does this, uh, Instagram post mean? Do you think? Okay. Well, I can tell you this last week I got the knocking on the door bah, 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 bah. and I'm like, man, I'm waking up. I needed one hour more sleep. I was pissed because they were knocking very hard. Bah, 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 bah. What the hell? I go out there and I answer the door. It's USADA. Oh, wow. And I'm going. You're getting tested now. I said, who are you here for? They go, Habib. I go, I was mad, bro. I said, he's not here. They go, I "I know. We tried knocking on the front of the big house, but no one answered. He goes, the guy goes, will you help me? I said, no. (laughs) I was so mad. I said, no, because I was, I had no sleep. I have insomnia. I wasn't sleeping. So I said, No. And he takes off. He didn't even go to the house. He didn't go to the house. He takes off. I, I tell Ali, the manager, hey, Yusada came looking for Habib. And all of a sudden, Ali goes, oh, calls Yusada. Well, he's right here. Come over here to the apex. We're right here doing the thing. So, you know, I guess the guy shows up and Habib does the test. And I went and I apologized to the guy because I was being a dick. I was. I, I, I said, man, I'm How really sorry. You. Just, you woke me up. And he goes, man, don't worry about it. I get it all the time. So, fact, he did do USADA. Okay, yeah, still in the testing pool. So that's a fact. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, now, can Michael Chandler get Habib to come out of retirement? No. Yeah. No. I don't think can so. Olive, Oliveras? No. Can someone like Conor McGregor, if he has a great performance, possible? For me. It's always been GSP. If there right. is any chance, any chance at all, it's GSP. And 
the only way it will happen, because you got to understand people that don't know Habib, they should know Habib. He would have to get mother's permission right. before any of that could ever happen. So let's say they do get GSP and he did want the fight. He won't fight until mom gives him the okay. Because he made a promise to his mother, not his coach, not anybody else. And I have never spoken to him about, are you really retired? That's none of my business. If he says, hey, coach, let's go. All right, let's go. That's it. I, I don't... I'm not I'm not I'm not in that category where, hey, you should fight one more time or you shouldn't fight one more time. He's never asked me. And as long as he doesn't ask me, I don't have an opinion on him. And the cool thing is he's the type of guy that like he doesn't have to ask it as far as uh, looking for an opinion. We all know he can fight again. We all know he can beat probably everyone, no matter who they are, and possibly even GSP at, at, at a different catch weight or something. Like, like, there's no doubt of like, can you fight again? So it's just a literally, in my opinion, it's just a matter of does he want to fight again or not? And if he does, you're down, let help him, and we're down to support him. And if yeah. not, so be it. It's, it's <laughs> not a normal situation where a fighter's kind of questioning can I fight again? You know, can I beat these guys? So that's the big difference with this. Yeah, well, keep in mind one thing. He, he laces up the gloves a lot. He's laced up the glove and uh, beats up on, <laughs> on his uh, cousins, getting them ready for fights. And uh, he's going to probably beat up on, 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 on Monop this Friday to get him ready for his yeah. last training. He asked if he could spar him. I said, yep. So he's probably going to beat up uh, uh, Abu Bakar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but hey, he's always in shape. The guy's always in shape. So, and I'm not saying he wants to fight. I'm just saying the facts. He's always in shape, and he's not out of the USADA uh, testing pool. And who knows why? I haven't asked him why. So we'll just leave it at that. Maybe he just likes peeing in a cup. So we won't we won't jump to conclusions. But we will say it is very interesting. It is very interesting. Yes. Him, him, and yes. you know what? It's not like it's like you're you're giving anything away because he posted a picture, uh, very much insinuating in every form of context that we are used to from Habib that he's looking for a fight possibly to post a picture with Lorenzo and tell Dana to send him location, whether he's joking or not. So uh, he's, there's obviously something going on and, and who knows if it's going to work out. And, and, but yeah, so yeah, I agree with you. Just, just to get over the headline, I agree with you. I don't think Chandler is what it takes. I think Chandler had a great first fight. Um, he's a great fighter. Um, I think he's, he was wanting the fight, of course. I mean, who doesn't want to fight Habib, you know? I think he's definitely wanting the fight, but I don't think he's, he's something that's going to get uh, Habib excited right now. I mean, maybe if he wins some more fights, we're talking way in the future, but I, I agree with you 100%. I think, in, in all honesty, no matter where uh, Connor is right now and, and, and what the circumstance, that is a huge fight no matter what happens, kind of like these other uh, fights with YouTube and stuff like that, the YouTube guys and, and, and the showmen and and boxing and all yeah. that it, it's a big fight and it's entertainment at the, at the end of the day um and then the gsp fight would just be crazy and this fast forwards me to a headline uh another one i was going to get into later but i might as well get into it right now um one of the other headlines is gsp um offered advice to conor mcgregor after conor mcgregor's loss and his advice basically was um if he wants to be on the road back to success he needs to get out of his comfort zone um and i think that was a very very good quote and the reason I, I say that because I think a lot of people do get comfortable and I think what makes you a champion you know like Conor McGregor and GSP is when you come up and you don't have anything and, and like GSP said you know he was fighting to stay alive all of his first fights you know because he knew if he lost he might lose his career he might lose everything go back to a normal job uh, Conor McGregor is a, a prime example of that this guy had nothing this guy was like 
bare bone broke, you know, and, and he was fighting to, to survive. So when you have that going for you, you fight a lot better. And I think GSP is basically saying you got to put yourself back in your, you know, out of your comfort zone and back in your desperation mode. And everyone I've talked to that's known GSP and trained with him, including David Loazzo, who was in my very last podcast, all agreed and all told me um, that he is very meticulous when he fights. GSP, he's the kind of guy that lays his food out. He plans all of it, like every minute of his training session, he lays his clothes out, you know, the night before to get it ready for the next morning. And like, he's very, very meticulous. So I can see GSP being a guy that would take the amenities out of his life during his fight camp, not walk around in, in nice clothes and drive Bentleys and be on yachts and things like that, but literally put himself back into a position where he's uncomfortable to be able to get through fights. And just to follow up on that really fast, and I'm talking a lot, but uh, GSP also ended his fight on a 13-fight win streak. Okay, so there is some credibility to what he's saying. He ended his career past when he actually wanted to end his career. I mean, he came back and fought even after he planned to, uh, and he ended on a 13-fight win streak. And his last fight being at 185, a higher weight class, for the championship and winning that. So I think his formula to give advice to someone like Conor is correct. Uh, and Connor's three and three in his last uh, six fights, and he was on a. I had it written here, but it's. Uh, I'm not. This is obviously not rattling off the top of my head. Uh, he's he was on a 15 fight win streak. So Connor had a 15 fight win streak when he was coming up and desperate, and, and kind of needed the money a little bit more. And he's went three and three since then. So I can kind of agree with uh, what GSP's saying. So what do you think on that? As far as uh, you you've built more champions that's went from nothing to to being multimillionaires than anybody so you can attest to that and then also what do you think about gsp possibly coming back and maybe taking that fight with habib if it is offered even though it's been off the table well you know uh gsp is correct in so many ways um the thing of it is is you have to stay hungry uh that is definitely the number one thing you have to stay hungry uh you have to still want it you still have to get up with that same desire that you you want to keep something you know you're striving for some great achievement and uh, you have to have that. If you don't have that, if you're looking for the better, better things in life, you know, like going on the yachts and you're saying all those fancy cars and, and, and you're skipping training because you're going to do those things, then you are missing the, the eye of the tiger, I guess, if you want to say it that way. Um, but the, the, the number one thing is you can never make yourself a champion. You can never keep yourself a champion. You have a team. And you have to have your coaches that, that can guide you, that, that you trust, that, that, that know what's best for you. And uh, I think that uh, that is the number one thing is, is have the same group that, 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 that believed in you and you believe in them. And, and if you don't believe in, in, in your coaches, then find somebody you believe in because that's extremely important. But if you have the same core of people that were guiding you to the championship and they're still there and they're still willing, do you stay with that, uh, that same formula that got you there? Because... Once you get out of that comfort zone, you know, it, it, it's hard to come back. So as a fighter, I know 100 percent when I lost my coach because he moved to Hawaii, I started scrambling who to find this and that, this and that. So I got my friends to try to coach me, but they didn't really know what the heck they were doing. So that was a big, giant mess. You know, you, you have to have coaches that know what they're doing and you have to have someone that you trust and you believe in them. And if you don't, then you need to change it, you know? And so to me, that was kind of an example of what I'm trying to say here. I brought friends. They weren't really qualified. 
And that was a mess. That was a mess. And then I got myself in a mess and I go, well, how the hell can I tell these guys I need, I need, I need to get rid of them. So I had to be very delicate about that because I didn't want to ruin my friendship. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it, you have to have the right coaches. You have that right, the right mentality. You have to have that drive. You know, if you don't have it, it's hard. It's hard to buy it. You can't buy that. You got to have it. And I think another you make a great point. Another point that GSP had was uh, he, he also mentioned that when you go to train, you can't be the, the king of the gym. Like you have to still be the student. You have to have the coaches telling you what to do. You do what they say. And you, you train just like you used to. And I think you can attest to that and maybe give some insight on this because you building the champions that you have, if there's one thing I've noticed from training at AKA is like no matter how famous we got and how big we got, the, there we never felt like we were the top. I mean, there's obviously times when s- certain people at the gym feel like the top dog and they're their own businesses and, and they have a, a better future than the other fighters at the gym. But it's still hard training. You were the boss. You made everybody do what they had to do, and it was yes, sir, and they did it. Nobody ever came in like DC or Kane or Luke or or any of the guys that, that, that made it to the to the top came in and, and told you what they were going to do and then and then just told you, ah, I don't feel like doing that, and then just did something else. You know, they, you were always the king of the gym when it came to the coaching and the teaching, and I think that's what GSP says Connor needs to do because yeah. he seems to be the king of his gym. You cannot. Yeah. Cannot, cannot do that. You can't run your own. You can't. We can't. It's impossible. I'm sorry. It's just it, it, I, I've never seen it. Uh, Muhammad Ali had in, Angela Dundee. You know, uh, Mike Tyson had his people. All the greats have their people. I'm sorry. You know, you, you need somebody that, that run you. You need somebody you trust in. You need somebody that's experienced. Uh, you need that. You need that. It's extremely important. You know, uh, you know, uh, great coaches you know, are important for a great fighter. They really are. I, you know, I've seen it too many times to to not uh, disagree with that. I know I agree 100% that you need a great coach or, you know, and if you don't have a great coach, you at least know someone that, that, that knows you really well and knows exactly what you need to do and, and can let you, uh, you know, in other words, the coach has to guide you. You don't guide the coach. And I want to put a little bit more value on, in history that nobody knows, including maybe yourself, um, uh, some of this at least, on the value of a GSP versus Habib fight, if it was to ever happen. Not, to, I'm not, and we don't know anything that anybody else does, trust me. You know, I, I know you don't and I don't, and, and we don't know anything that, that's going on as far as that. But if it was to happen, let's give a little history here with AKA versus TriStar. Okay, so I fought Jonathan Goulet and beat Jonathan Goulet. I fought David Loazzo, I beat David Loazzo. I fought... Um, Oh, my God. Who's the other Canadian? I fought three Canadians, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jonathan Goulet, Steve Vigno, and David Loazzo. Steve Vigno. Okay, so that's three Canadians that trained with GSP that I beat. So I took out those guys. Koscheck had two fights with GSP. Fitch had one fight with GSP and couldn't beat GSP. GSP is the one guy that could never get beat by AKA. Um, but you, my friend, you fought the founder of TriStar and kickboxing, according to David Loazzo, post-podcast, we talked for like another 30 minutes after the podcast was over and talked about a lot of interesting stuff. And apparently you had a kickboxing match with the founder of TriStar and you won. So I'm not sh- I don't want to Con- say the name because I'm not sure. Conrad Plock? Conrad Plock? I'm you not sure. I don't, I, I don't want to say the name of who it is, but whoever it was, a main head of TriStar, um, fought kickboxing back in the day and fought you and lost. So now we have wins over someone, you know, the team related to GSP from you to me 
to, to all these wins except GSP. He's the only person we have not defeated. And Habib would be our last chance to conquer that team and conquer essentially Canada <laughs> since that's the best, the best team in Canada. So that adds a little yeah. bit of uh, value to the fight, and it's kind of interesting. When David told me that, I was like, wow, I had no idea. And I don't even think Hoff probably knows that he I fought because I don't know who he's referring to. It's somebody at the Con top of Conrad TriStar. Block. Con Conrad Block. Conrad Block. Yeah, that's, I guess he was, he was uh, he he was associated. I don't know if he was. I don't know what part he had to do. Maybe with, he was with like a co-founder uh, uh, or something. TriStar, a co-founder. Maybe yeah, or a striking coach. He's a he's a he's a hell of an actor too. I saw him in some uh, Netflix uh, things where he's a, a soccer soccer coach, and I seen him in praying prison card movies. That guy's badass, man. He he knows how to act. Conrad Plaza, the man, dude. He's badass. Yeah. Well, good job, Hav. We don't talk about your victories that often since you're, you know, you've, you uh, haven't fought in quite a while. But uh, congratulations on that. They're not worth talking about. <laughs> oh, come on. I still got your picture at the top of the gym at AK Thailand. Uh, but the funny thing is it is the only picture hanging up on the walls at AK Thailand that's black and white. And I'm not convinced that they had color when that photo was taken. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do. Okay. I don't know if Joanna just sent me the black and white version or if that was just all that was available. Was it like one of those big flashing bulbs that went off when you took that photo with your long Lorenzo Lamas hair? I don't know. But either like, way, we have that photo. Yeah, I don't know. It looks good. It looks good. You just need a motorcycle beside you, which we, we can maybe superimpose later. Um, so, so yeah, good job on that. And I know we talked a lot about Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. We've beat it up so many times, but things have changed a little bit. And a couple of those things that have changed is uh, Dana White is uh, came forward and said that he's going to put a million dollars or would put a million dollars on Ben Askren uh, saying that Jake Paul is not a boxer and cannot fight. He's not a fighter. Um, I'd like to get your opinion on that. And then also, they're trying to make this one of the greatest sports combat events in history. They actually have Justin Bieber, uh, Snoop Dogg, and a lot of other performances and uh, added extras to make this show, uh, to boost this show. And they also have, this is, I really want to get your opinion on this, and I'm sorry, I can repeat some of this if you want. Uh, Frank Mir is making his boxing debut, O&O as a boxer, against Antonio Tarver who's 52 years old uh, and uh, obviously was a, you know, w every organization champion, every major organization champion. What is your opinion on will Ben Askren beat Jake Paul? Does he have a chance or are you still going with, with Jake Paul? What do you think about the competition between this style of show coming up against someone like the UFC with Justin Bieber power and Snoop Dogg and the way they're doing it? And then what are your thoughts on Frank Mir fighting Antonio Tarver when Frank Mir is my age at 41 and he's fighting a 52-year-old Antonio Tarver? Well, well, first of all, uh, Jake Paul, I still believe in the kid. I think he's the real deal. You know, I think he's only getting better talking to all the people that I know that are training him, talking to his trainer, BJ Flores, who, who I've been watching. And I've seen some of the videos they sent me of the training, and uh, I'm very impressed with him. Uh, I was very, very impressed. Uh, BJ is a hell of a coach, and he knows what he's doing. He's bringing the right sparring partners for him to spar with. He's not bringing, like, these really high-decorated type boxers. He's bringing, like... MMA fighters, bare knuckle kind of fighters, uh, really good fighters, you know. And uh, from what I'm hearing that, uh, you know, uh, man, Jake's doing fantastic. And uh, the little bit I've seen of him on, on his Instagram, and I know from being a boxer myself, most of my life has been in the boxing gyms. You just don't 
have that many videos where you show yourself knocking people the hell out. And he has got quite a few of that, showing him knocking people the hell out. And I'm like, okay, and I'm watching the speed. I'm watching, yeah, sure, is, is it super, super technical, super relaxed? No, but is there power? Yes. And is the technique getting better? If you're watching closely, yes, it's getting better. And he's being taught by a guy that, 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 that you know, fought for three world titles, if I'm not mistaken, B.J. Flores, who is 30-something and, like, he's got a great uh, boxing record. So he's good there. So that's good. Uh, Justin Bieber, all these guys, Black Eyed Peas, like you say, man, that's fantastic. That's, that's a show. It's a and pretty good show. And I'll think about this. You got 20-plus you got million YouTubers that, that follow Jake Paul. You got all these people on Instagram, millions he's got there. His brother... Logan Paul's got 22-something million. You, if you watch these kids' videos, they're in, really impressive, man. Their videos are impressive. These guys are serious at their craft. They know how to create funny content. They know how to do everything, you know? So, so yeah, I'm still a big believer in, in Jake Paul. And, and I'm also a believer in Ben Askren, though, because he's, he's, no, he's no easy task. And Absolutely. Look, Ben Askren is not coming out there to box with him. No. He's going to come out there and, and use his wrestling the best of his ability, rabbit punch, this, this, and that. There's a lot of things that he's going to be penalized for here and there because he's not going to be able to get away with things. The, the ref's going to rough him up, I mean, break him up when, when he does things that are illegal. And he's going to do it, whether he likes it or not, because that's the best chance he has to rough him up, get him tired, get him tired bring him in deep, him and drown him, and drown him. That's what I think. Like, past the fourth or fifth round, if Ben Askren is still in the fight, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how, how Jake can, can, can uh, keep that stamina up and keep, uh, uh, you know, Ben off of him. So that's what I'm where, waiting to see is what's going to happen after the fourth round. Can he continue to, to you know, hit Ben and, and continue to outbox him? Because if he can, if he's getting tired, Ben's going to drown him. Yeah. He's going to drown him. So that was my only concern. Uh, as far as Frank Mir, you know, Against Antonio Tarber, well, I mean, you got a 41-year-old ex, uh, you know, champ, UFC champ, is a great athlete. Uh, but let's face it, he hasn't. Even though you're 52 years old, Tarber's 52. You said 52. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. man, it, it's still he's still got too much up here, man, in the boxing department. Just it's just like like Antonio Tarber uh, just started picking up. Uh, MMA, been doing it for six, seven years, and whatever, blah, 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 and then he's gonna fight. Someone like Frank Mir in an MMA match, and you know, nah, I'm, uh, nah, I, I don't see that. It's it's going to be possibly competitive because you know uh, Frank is a bigger guy, he's a heavyweight guy. It'll be interesting, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I kind of hope I'm wrong because I, I would like Frank to win, but I just don't think he's got enough uh, boxing knowledge to deal with someone the likes of Antonio. Yeah, first first fight especially, and I think. Uh... You know, if we learn something from the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones fight, these guys can hit. I mean, you know, be it if it's a little slower than it used to be, being if it wasn't as frequent as it used to be, these guys can still punch. They still got power, and they still got that technique. And Antonio Tarver was a master. The guy was a champion in boxing against a guy versus Frank Mir, who is a ground guy specifically, you know, I guess uh, initially, who learned striking, and he's 0-0 in boxing. And he wasn't always the greatest cardio machine, uh, and now he's moving into a sport where Antonio Tarver has probably thrown a hundred times more punches than Frank Mir in his life, and probably more than that. 
Um, so even if he's old and even if he's, you know, worn down and, and aged, his arms are going to be able to throw those punches fast and accurately, I think, a lot more than someone like Frank Mir. And I think Frank Mir is going to get picked apart. Um, but I'm with you on the fact that I think it's going to be very interesting and not bad. You know, if they're going to put together another fight, I, I, you know, it's entertainment. So names sell. And I think that's a even though I'm picking Antonio Tarver by a landslide, I'm definitely going to watch the fight and be interested in it, you know, because, you know, you never yeah. know what can happen. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, uh, you know, the, the main event. I mean, you got a main event that, that hey, look, come on, man. Dana's putting up a million dollars. Come on, there's you know there's interest there, yeah. big time interest. You know, and the casinos are there. What's the odds? Is Jake Paul what is he a two to one, three to one favorite? Can you imagine yeah. Dana putting up a million dollars at a casino and and they're taking the odds at three to one or two to one? I mean, he's gonna do that all day long. He's gonna do it. You know, if Dana says it, he'll do it. If they're giving those kind of odds, they'll do it. The average odds right now is uh, minus 250 for Paul and plus 200 for Askren. That's what the average odds are right now, according to the Google machine. Okay, so so he gets two to one, basically. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's that, – hey, he – Dana would probably do one to one, so if the casinos are taking his bet, he'll, he'll put the million down. <laughs> he will. He will. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and it's cool. not a bad bet. It's not a bad bet. No. If, 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 if Ben can drown him, it's not a bad bet. It's not the bet I would do, but but I can't sit here and go, oh, it, it's crazy. Like, look, listen, if it was Logan Paul, you know, I would I would not put nothing on Logan Paul. I'd be like, no way. I go, Jake can smash him. Yeah, you know, because Logan is not Jake. Jake is different animal, man. I mean, Jake's crazy. I mean, Jake's crazy, and like you have to be a little crazy. And the thing is, is I want to add two things to this. And the first thing is, uh, we've seen. Not, I mean of all gyms we've seen a lot of knockouts over the years at aka we've we've knocked each other out you know quite a few times but to rack up a lot of knockouts in a camp or in a couple camps or even in a career like one of us to to rack up knockouts it hasn't happened it's been random around the gym like it hasn't been yeah. a case where like i've knocked yeah. out six people in the gym yeah. or five i may have knocked yeah, exactly. out one person actually knocked him out or two people or something and rocked yeah. a few yeah. other people here and there whatever and i'm knocking people out in the ufc you know more than in the gym so like for him to exactly. get those knockouts that does that does say something for sure if if it doesn't, then I don't know who the hell it does. I don't know who the hell I am because I'm telling you, I've never witnessed it. I never have. Yeah, it does say something for sure. But I do think I do on the other side have to agree that Ben Askren is a master of winning. He's a he's a very smart strategist when it comes to human kinetic chess. He's found a way to win against fights that he wasn't supposed to win his whole entire career. You know, he's an Olympian. Um, and I think, like you said, Don't count there, him out. I think there's some, there, there is a lot of things that he can do using his wrestling position, dirty boxing, and clinchy kind of like uh, exhaustive moves that will be legal. Now, I think he may, like you said, go to, to an extreme where he might do something that stalls the fight and gets it broken up or maybe venture into something that might not be so legal and they break it up or whatever. But I think he's definitely going to wear down Jake Paul. And that's going to be the ultimate test for Jake Paul um, because he does have the knockout power. There's no doubt. He does have the striking and the, 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 the potential of his, his technique is there, but this is going to be the real test of his heart. I think, I think it's not going to be a fast knockout uh, most likely. And I think it's going to be a test of, can he uh, get exhausted and get ran down and deal with frustration? Cause to me, I think the biggest thing is going to be for Jake Paul, the, the biggest, um, problem he's going to have is frustration trying to hit 
and trying to deal with someone who's going to be clingy on him like Ben Askren. When, when you're used to guys swinging wildly like the YouTube guys and the basketball guys and they're leaving themselves essentially wide open, um, then you got a guy clinging on you like Jake Shields used to cling on to me for sparring and it drive me up uh, you know, insane. That's going to be the, the, the battle that he's going to have to face and defeat and, and then come out ahead on, I think. And that's going to show where he's at. And I think after this fight, we're going to know where Jake Paul is and where he's going to go from here. Correct. So that's my opinion on that. Uh, let's move on to, I got to get your opinion on this as a coach, uh, Sterling, Aljamain Sterling. Uh, he obviously, um, you know, he took the knee from Peter Jan, uh, which was, you know, Peter Jan was later uh, confirmed. Habib said it, I think, but other people confirmed that he asked his corner if it was okay. He threw the knee. Either way, it was one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most blatant, horrible fouls I've ever seen because there's no way he could have not known. I thought it was genius at first because I thought he was waiting for Aljamain to pick the knee up. And the second that he picked the knee up, he was going to nail them right in the head with a, with, with the knee, which would have been just as effective and it would have been legal. But then he just need him anyway with his knee on the ground. I think it was horrible. And, and I think he should have lost all of his money for that, not get, got paid a penny. But should he have lost his title? That's the question. Should Aljamain have won a title from a disqualification um, I agree they shouldn't have won the fight. No one should have won it, um, and it should have been no contest or and maybe some penalty for uh, for Peter. But do you think he should have lost a world championship title, and do you, or, or maybe not even lose it? Do you think Aljamain should have won a world championship title off getting uh, knee in the face on a card where he was down on the scorecards? Well, unfortunately, you know that that's those are the rules, you know, and, and that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 those are the rules. So Algerman, he couldn't continue. He wins the title. That, that ref makes the call. The ref made a, a, a call. He, he basically, you know, says it was illegal, intentional. There you go. You, you know, that's, there's a rules for a reason. So when you have a title, you, you know, you got to defend your title. That means you got to defend it correctly. That was a bad uh, decision on, on uh, Pitor's, uh, you know, his camp or him, it doesn't matter. It was a bad call. And, uh, you know, Dana's going to make a, a, a rematch of that. And then we'll see what happens on, on the rematch, you know. But uh, everything is a fact, you know. Uh, it it looks like Jan was running away with it, you know. But unfortunately, you know, that bad knee happened. And that, I mean, that you don't see too many knees that are worse than that. That no. was a really bad knee. And you don't see too many knees where you knee someone in the face and it's it's like so obvious because not just because it happened so quick and it was in that position, which that position's bad enough, but when it's in that position for an extensive amount of time before the knee happens. So you have plenty of time yeah. to assess the situation. It's not like it was like he got on his knees and th threw the knee immediately. Like it was really blatant. Like it was so I was mad. I was angry at Peter after that. Well, did you did you see that that uh, that that the other knee that just happened that was nowhere near as bad and how that yeah. went? Yeah, same thing. Yep, same yeah. thing. That was different. Eric, that was, was a little Andrews, bit different. Eric I think. Yeah, 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 that was a little bit different, yeah. but but still, yeah, I, yeah, I see. That was nowhere. That was nowhere near what 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 Sterling got. Not even ten percent of what Sterling got. Yeah. that ended that too. So yeah. there you go. So essentially, what you're saying is uh, that. that me bringing up the headline and getting your opinion, you're going with just the fact that's the rules and that's why, which makes my question to you and this whole thing stupid <laughs> for me to even mention because you're absolutely right. That's the rules. Like, how can you argue against that? There's not much to discuss. It is the rules. No. But I do want to say something interesting yep. in case you missed it. Uh, I did watch a clip of Big John McCarthy, and I will say 
you know, him being an official for so long has its perks. He knows the rules more than anybody. And it was interesting because Al Jermaine said afterwards that, uh, and I think a lot of people probably said afterwards, which is why I'm bringing this up, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous that a champion like Peter Jan would not know the rules and have to ask his corner if, they're, if he should throw a knee or not. And then Big John's point was, you know, Al Jermaine also said after the fight that he didn't want the belt, he didn't care about the belt, and he didn't even know he was going to get the belt. He didn't even know when that happened that he was going to be granted the championship. So it wasn't like he was acting to get the belt, of which Big John McCarthy said, if you didn't know you were going to get the belt, then you, sir, also were in a championship fight and you didn't know the rules, which I thought is an interesting point. There, There's a lot of rules in the sport, and as shown, both of them kind of didn't know well, the full extent of the rules. One, one is a lot Sorry, more obvious, John. I get. He knows more of the rules than the, I mean, the, no fighter, no fighter knows that shit. Yeah, that's it was difficult. It know. was difficult. That's something a uh, uh, that's something a ref knows. I, hey man, I'm very knowledgeable in so much of this, but I don't know as much as John does. So how the hell is my fighter gonna know more than I know when he doesn't? And 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 I don't know as much as John. So no, I, I disagree. Yeah. I disagree a hundred percent. There's no way in hell. That's certainly supposed to know he was going to win the title if he continued. There's no way. He just, for whatever reason, I mean, whether it was real or not, who knows? The bottom line is the guy was hit with a hell of a knee, and those are the rules. I mean, I think technically you should know as a fighter all the rules of the sport, and you should know where you're at. And and I know there's rules of like going to scorecards. There's rules of uh, being a no contest. You should technically know, but you're right. I mean, that's a lot harder rule to know than than uh, a lot than, than the Peter Yan one. Obviously, hey, <laughs> that was a legal hey, I, knee. I, I knew the knee was blatant, 100%. He is down. You know, they they explained that to me, but but I did not know that the title was gonna switch. I did not know that. I didn't know how it was gonna be ruled. I just know there's rules in place like this, and this is what they do. The rules do i know most of them but honestly i probably wouldn't my fighter wouldn't have known that rule even if i knew the rule i know my fighter wouldn't have known that most yeah. fighters don't know that rule yeah okay let, 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 let's just even go one step further okay, okay Swick, so how many fights you've had in the ufc 15 okay in the 15 fights when the ref comes in explain the rules did he ever ever one ref ever tell you if the foul like this occurs, that you will be the champ. Did any of them ever tell you that? No. My question to you. No, Has right. anyone? Okay. You're on a roll making me look stupid here. All the fights I've ever <laughs> I'm cornered. I'm changing my headlines I've from never, now on. <laughs> I've never, ever had one referee tell us if that happens, the title will change. So how the You're hell right. are these fighters supposed to know, like John says? No, Aljamain's not supposed to know that. He just knows he couldn't continue. <laughs> Stupid point yeah. by John. That's what I meant to say. John, quit showing off. Quit showing off all your knowledge. I'm going to go with that. He's knowledgeable. He's more knowledgeable than we are about the rules. Quit That's showing off, John. Quit quit knowing more than we know and, <laughs> and trying to make your point. You know, you can look at it from an arrogant kind of like, yeah, you know, I looked at it from two different ways when John said it. I looked at it from an arrogant way because I saw it this, the way you saw it, which is why I got your opinion. I wanted to know what you thought as a coach because I assume you would know kind of from experience more than I would What because I personally didn't know at the time if he was going to get the belt or not. But when Big John said it and I first heard it, you know, first first it struck me as kind of like, you know, 
it's kind of was an arrogant kind of a jab toward Al Jermaine. That was how I first took it. But then I said, it is a point too. You know, you should definitely know when you get a championship fight. I never fought a championship fight. Um, what would happen depending on, because I thought it was a cut and dry thing. Like when it goes to the fourth round, it goes to the scorecard or something. I didn't know it was so tricky as it was where, I, like I didn't know it was even possible that that was a rule that you would actually win the belt, you know? So like I had to learn something as well. So yeah, I, I think he, it was more of just like him trying to prove that he's smart. And he should be. He's an official. I mean, that's his job. <laughs> well, he's really smart too, though. <laughs> I mean, that's his, that's his job. He's an official. Um, and not a huge, not a huge, huge headline, but real fast as far as an international uh, MMA website headline. But one headline that affects both of us greatly is that AKA is now licensing gems globally, worldwide. We've already got a gym going up in Goa, India, at Mandarin Beach. So just briefly, really fast, uh, if anybody's interested in getting a gym licensed um, and they fit the requirements, uh, they pay the licensing fee, they pay for the program, and we approve everything, you can have an AKA gym uh, globally, whether you're building that gym or whether you already have a gym and want to change the name, email us at info at akthailand.com. Uh, akthailand.com is the international headquarters right now taking over the, um, the licensing uh, part of the AKA world brand and uh, licensing. So anyway, I'm very excited about that. And I think you are as well. And uh, what do you think about the, the new the license gym coming up in uh, Mandarin Beach? I think it's great. I mean, uh, you know, I hear it's a, it's a great uh, place to vacation. It is. It's one of the best uh, destinations in India, I heard, for vacationing. So so I think it's a perfect location for for having an AK, you know, Goa there. You know, uh, no, uh, Mandarin, right? Goa Mandarin. is the other one you said you're working it's on? In, it's in Goa, okay. it's yeah, in Goa but it's called Mandarin Beach. Bo Bo Mandarin Beach is the location there, and it's kind of like a real hot spot. Like a, so it's real cool. It's kind of it's kind, kind of similar to AK Thailand in the fact that it's in a in a, a destination. You know, it's in a, a tourist destination and a, and a cool uh, popular location. So it's going to be, that's why I'm helping heard, them so much and, and, and advising them as much as I am, because there's a lot of similarities of how I built AK Thailand and how they're kind of building this one, because they're dealing with a different clientele, uh, a destination gym that's going to have people coming and going all the time versus a gym like, you know, headquarters and some of the gyms yeah. in the States, not really headquarters because guys come and go as well, but most gyms where yeah. you have the same people every single day for five years, six years, seven years, eight years, it's a different concept. Yeah. It's a different model. It's a different everything. Yep. Yep, yep. And also, Manscaped has announced that if you use code QUICK, you get 20% off your order and free shipping on all products. And Manscaped is the best below-the-waist men's grooming product on the market. They got the best products. Have you got your Manscaped package yet, Hav? Nope. It's because I didn't send it. But I'm telling you what, it is on the way. Because as soon as I get it, which I have, I have ordered it, I am sending it to you. And you are going to be a fan of Manscaped. I got nose trimmers. They have everything. <laughs> they have everything. Everything's a little geared more below the waist. Um, but I think they have like a massager and stuff out now too. And like, it's a, it's fantastic. So uh, I won't spam it up. It is an ad, obviously, guys. But uh, yeah, you use code QUICK, manscaped.com. You get free shipping and 20% off. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything.
I'm telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. And then I also want to mention uh, another headline um, that's coming out is the UFC gloves. Uh, this has been a big topic among uh, many people, and I want to share. I'm going to get your expertise on this, and um, you know the the point of it is the new gloves. Uh, Trevor Whitman created a glove called Onyx, and and everyone seems to think uh, not only his glove is the perfect example, but his design is the perfect example because it curves the hands down. Um, Daniel Cormier has been on record multiple times saying no matter what you do, you're always going to have problems when it comes to eye pokes. My argument, before I get your expertise, because I know your expertise carries so much more weight, um, my argument on this is we are gladiators who are fighting hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat. I think the least amount of restrictions on our body is how it should be. Now, they put the gloves on our body. Like, we're, like We have the gloves on our hands to protect our hands from cuts and getting our hands broken where we can't fight for months and months and months at a time so that we can continue competing. But aside from that, we have no restrictions on our body. We have nothing to restrict our movement, including the gloves, which allow us to open our hands fully, which help for grappling. Um, my issue is uh, if these gloves do make your hands uh, arch, uh, it will protect... Eye, eye gouges. I don't think if you look at the injuries of the UFC, uh, overall injuries, I don't think even though the one with Muhammad recently and the one before that look serious, I don't think there's been very serious eye gouges. I don't think I've ever heard of a fighter not being able to continue his career because of an eye gouge. I don't think I've heard of a fighter not being able to fight for a year because of an eye gouge. I took 910 days off because I blew my knee out. Uh, you know, ankle locks, things like this. I think, I think if you look at the overall list of injuries, eye gouges are not the most detrimental and the most common. So I think they're just kind of overrated in general, even though the ones we see are very bad. Um, and I also think that if you, if you move the, if you, if you restrict the movement of your hand to where you can't open, you can't grab. So like if you're going for a rear naked choke, I'm going to have to mic here a little bit, but if you're going for a rear naked choke and your hand is here and you can't open it enough to grab, to grab your bicep or to grab a wrist because your, your hand is here and you can't open it to grab a wrist or to pick an ankle, uh, or something like that, that can have serious effects on your fight if you can't grapple properly. Um, so to me, I think I'm against the, the, the restriction of movement, but I am definitely for remodeling the UFC glove because the Onyx and Trevor Rittman's design is fantastic. It looks beautiful. It's, uh, you know, aesthetic. It's, it's, it's obviously good quality. Um, I've read up on it. Um, I do think they need to upgrade the gloves aesthetically and, 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 in that regard, but I don't think, in my opinion, they should restrict the movement. I think that's going to cause more problems than eye gouges themselves. What do you think? Well, you know, being that I've had many fighters fight and they get eye gouges, the ref doesn't see it. Um, the, the fighter's performance is jeopardized. Uh, they go and lose the fight because they really don't say nothing. The ref doesn't acknowledge it. And they go on losing the fight. So anytime you minimize eye gouging. I'm all for it. Um, but uh, I, I will agree with you that if it restricts the movement of the hand, where now they, they're not as able to do what they were do with the other gloves, then, then yeah, it's kind of like, you know, uh, it, 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 I'm, I'm against eye poking. 
I'm yeah, against for it. sure. You I know, am too. Uh, we, 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 we've been, my fighters have been guilty of it. We've received it many a times. DC's been guilty of doing many eye pokes. Uh, and then he received the, the eye poke of eye pokes, you know, when he got half his finger and his eye from yep. Stipe, unintentional. Yep. And, uh, you know, he couldn't see for three or four days, you know. So for me, there's got to be a solution. And, and I'm all for minimizing eye pokes as much as possible. Uh, I'm not for anybody being a casualty because, you know, of this third reason or that reason. So for me, if you can minimize it, I'm all for it. You know, I think I'm going with Dana on he his his take on this is just punishing people more for keeping their hands open and not not being more careful. In other words, giving them uh, a warning and a point deduction uh, immediately instead of letting it go on. Um, and, and, and I have to say, you know, I've never been eye gouged to an extensive degree. So I, you know, I'm not an expert on dealing with it. If I've ever been eye gouged and not been able to see for a few days, maybe I'd feel different, but I will say that DC has been, he has been eye gouged and he hasn't been able to see for three days. Like you said, that's not a detrimental injury three days or four days or five days or a week there's injuries where i've had you know a month where i was still in pain and hurt and whatever and dc himself who's been eye gouged in in a serious way has has also said publicly that he doesn't think it's going to fix the problem that it's still going to be an issue so i just kind of i guess uh, i agree with you i think they're bad they're horrible um i think i don't think the restriction of movement is the idea to fix it i think that it's going to be punishing people and, and just hoping it's, 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 I agree with DC. It's something that's going to happen just like illegal blows, just like, uh, you know, people doing ankle locks and popping the knee. I mean, these, this is a tough sport and shit like this is going to happen. Yeah. But, but like my feeling on it is, Hey man, if 10 out of 10 get eye gouges and now these new gloves make it five out of five, five out of 10, I'm all for it. Yeah. You know, because that's five guys and then get eye poked, you know, and then I don't see how I mean, you'd have to see on the movement because I think if the movement with your hands is not going to be uh, proficient enough, no one's going to want to do it. No fighters going to fight that way anyway. So I think the development of, of better, better gloves is a is a is a must. And uh, I think that's that's the solution. And hey. You know, I pokes are going to happen, but hey, if you can minimize them, even ten percent, even one percent, I'm all for it. Do you think if we put cotton swabs on the end of our fingertips when we fight, do you think that that would help? <laughs> no, I, I was help. hoping you'd laugh because I thought that was super <laughs> cheesy, and I didn't want to like feel it was more cheesy. Eye. So I'm glad you laughed at least about that. <laughs> Everyone else isn't, I'm sure. You guys aren't, but uh, you know the thing is, but like 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 with DC, I mean, like he got eye gouge, and okay, so first I want to say. I don't know if it restricts your hands to a point you can't grapple. Like I'm, I'm not going to try to like slander uh, Trevor Women. I think what he's doing is fantastic, trying to fix the sport, trying to help people, trying to stop eye gouges, create new equipment. I think it's fantastic. And if it's something where when your hands are completely limp and you have no muscle strain there at all, it keeps them down and you can still extend them with, with minimal effort or at least uh, you know not too much resistance – Okay, perfect. I agree with you. I think we should do them. Um, but if it extends them too much, then you have we can use DC as an example. Would DC rather get an eye poke every once in a while 
um, or would he rather be able to lose a lot of his wrestling ability when he's trying to go for a single or, or trying to go for certain takedowns and, and grab ankles and, and, and do stuff from the ground? And like we've seen Habib pin people's arms behind you know, their back by grabbing their wrist and stuff. If, they, if they're in, able to do, or unable to do that, you know, would it be worth it? And that's, I guess, the big question. So I guess time will tell, you know, and I think it's going to take a testing process and, and there's going to have to be a smaller show. I think that's going to have to do them, like have a few fights with these gloves and see what happens to kind of before the UFC is going to jump on board with it. Cause if the UFC makes a mistake, it's going to be detrimental. Well, I heard Bellator has their gloves that are a little bit better designed and there's less eye pokes there. So okay. the very least same design as Bellator, bro. I would take that. I would I'll take that over anything. And I'll say Ryzen has different gloves too. I don't like the fact that they're so much bigger because they are more padded, but they are they seem to be designed a lot different. They're very different gloves. They're huge. I mean, they're like you've seen Ryzen gloves. They're they're, they're way bigger. I don't know how they rate on eye pokes, but I haven't. I don't. I don't. I can't remember too many eye pokes in Ryzen that I can think of. So maybe maybe. Maybe maybe it's something to look at it's some of these other shows and different forms I, I, of gloves. I, hey, look, man, it's something to it's something that needs to be worked on for sure. Because you know, uh, I I you know, hey, man, nobody wants to lose to an eye poke. And and like I said, in DC's case, the ref didn't see it, so DC had to continue to fight with one eye because the ref didn't catch it. Yeah, you know. And now now you have now you have instant replay where where you you can look it over. Now you can do that, but. It, it wasn't able to have it then so now it, it's kind of like it, you know anytime you can get improvement to better the fighters for their safety you know and and also to see if if fouls have happened and then here's an individual that lost the fight that he shouldn't have lost because the ref missed something well now they can rectify those things and i'm all for it i'm all for it i'm all for things that make the sport uh safer i'm all i'm also for to get the right person to get the actual win, you know, and, and there's so many issues out there that still need to be addressed. Judging, the judging is off the damn charts with these judges. And in boxing, we've seen it for many years, and MMA, we're seeing now where you got these judges where you know are going, what the hell were they looking at? There's like, what the hell were they looking at? There's no way in hell that fight ended like that. You know, the one thing I can tell you, and I think you will agree with me, us fighters that have fought. We usually hit it almost 99% of the time. We're always on the money, the same money. Yep. We may be a little biased yep. when it's our teammate, but we usually hit it right in the nail who won, who didn't win. You know, if it's our fighter, of course, we're always biased, a little biased. But when if it's not our fighter, we hit it on the nail who won, who didn't win. We're, so, so there's got to be something to judging, you know, if there's any way legally where you can make judges be ex-fighters you know that would be that would be great because but unfortunately you can't because this is government institutions and and uh you know it's if you're a government employee you can't just hire fighters because that's you know that's discrimination so that worked that way and and, the, and people have said that before somebody came out and said that that every judge someone recently someone I had on the podcast i think uh, recently said that every judge should have at least a professional fight um, because you're right fighters think differently but here's the the problem with that and, I, and I'm gonna say real fast uh, a good example of this is our guy Manel Cap uh, from AK Thailand who came to AK and, and, and trained for his last couple fights and every I mean this is the saddest part you know you lose a lot of money when you don't win uh, Manel won the fight 
and everyone's opinion. It's not like it was controversial where, you know, it was like uh, 80, 20 or, or 75, 25 or 60, 40. It was like every single MMA website had Manel Cab winning the fight, but the judges didn't. I mean, or, or enough of them to give the fight to his opponent. And he lost his win bonus for that. Um, but when, when they said that, you know, it sounds good when you say every judge should fight because it solves a lot of problems because now you have ex-fighters, a lot of them that don't have work or that are struggling after fighting, you know, it's probably a decent paying job. They can become judges. They can become, you know, part of uh, the sport, still watch fights. They can have a good career, maybe make some money and they can judge fights from a perspective that I think is a lot more educational. But here's the problem that I think a lot of people don't think about is the biasness. Most fighters are still attached to fighters that are in the cage fighting. And I've tried to get Herb Dean on the podcast many times and Herb Dean wants to be on the podcast and he wants to, he wants to come on here and we chat all the time and he, he, he DMs me and we talk on Instagram and all that, but he's scared to come on the podcast because he is an official, uh, and, and I have fighters and he doesn't want there to be a relationship between me and him. And we talk about stuff on the podcast. And the next thing you know, he's in there with Manel Cap, and it's one of my fighters and me and him all were buddy, buddy on the podcast. And he's very smart in thinking about that. Cause I never thought about that. And I think that's the problem with having fighters as judges is there's always going to be a relationship between those judges and, and, and some fighters in those, in those groups or their teams or their affiliations. And that could create some kind of biasness. And, and that could be another problem in itself. So it's kind of a hard problem to fix, but you're right. Some of these judges have no business they're not even watching these fights. It seems like. No, it's horrible. But you know, it's it's a whole it's a government issue, it's a state by state. You know, and uh, these are government employees. You know, they're government employees. So you work for the state athletic commission one year, the next year they're working somebody else. You know, it's the way it goes. One last headline, not headline, but one last thing I want to talk to you about. And I'm sorry that it went on for an hour. For everybody that's that's watching, uh, I'm going to try to keep these down. To like, I'm going to try to keep these to 30 to 45 minutes so that they're not too long and they, they go on for too long with those future guests. But Javier's just so fun to talk to. Uh, he's, that's why he's my yeah, friend. And, yeah. I, I can't even get a word in. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> this is my chance, Hoff. This is my chance to okay, talk and give right, my opinion. All, right, all, right. all yeah, I do yeah. is listen to people talk all the time and, and answer my questions. And it's time for me to say something, damn it. No, you're going to have okay. plenty of time on this one. So uh, Stipe versus Nganu. Okay, so we both know we've seen the first fight. We saw he had a blueprint to beat Nganu. I don't think how Stipe fought Nganu and how Nganu lost that fight, I don't think Nganu can improve enough to win aside from knocking out Stipe. I think, I think it's always going to be a fight where you, we have the better fighter fighting a guy who could possibly beat the better fighter, who's not the better fighter. And I think that's always going to be the case with Nganu and the top, top, the really top echelon of fighters because Nganu is never going to outwork and out technique and out uh, cardio and perform guys like Stipe, but he can knock him out and he can knock out anyone. So what is your take on this next fight coming up? And, and now that Stipe already found the blueprint and beat him uh, before, do you think it's going to be any different? But what's going to make this fight interesting? And, and, and how can it go any other way than the first time? The only way it can go any different than the first time is if Stipe can't, you know, take him down like he's going to go yeah. do right away. Stipe is a... He's the greatest heavyweight of all time for, sure. for a reason, you know, and uh, he, he's a professional through and through. He's going to do his, his due diligence. His coaches are good. 
They're going to do everything they need to do to get him to work on his takedowns and, and keep him on track. They did it the first time. He stood with him. He almost got taken out. <laughs> he reverted right back to his wrestling roots. He's not going to make the mistake this time to do that. So he's going to go to his wrestling game, his clinch, take him down type thing. Because if he doesn't, uh, I'm sorry, he's getting put, his lights put out. So he's going to have to take Engano down. And hopefully Engano has learned enough since the first time to be able to get up, you know, and, and survive, you know, uh, the ground game. Because if he hasn't, uh, it's, it's going to be the same as like last time. Yeah. I agree. I agree 100%. And I think when you watch that first fight, it was a fan. I mean, if, if you ever gain respect for someone like Stipe uh, or, or want to gain respect for Stipe, watch that fight. I mean, the way he fought Nganu was just a, a perfect game plan. I mean, from the holding him against the, the cage and just leaving his weight on him and grinding him out because he saw that he was losing cardio to the, the movement, to the, to the takedowns. Like, it was just, I mean, he's a smart, he's super smart. His IQ is incredible. His power still, even though he's smaller, is incredible. Uh, his movement, his technique is incredible. And, and again, again, unless uh, Nganu can hit him, and he took a lot of punches from Nganu in that fight. And unless Nganu can hit him harder and, and land better, I don't see it going any different than it did the first time. In fact, maybe even Steve Bay could finish him on the ground or, or, or maybe a TKO or something when he gets tired. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have to get uh, Nganu tired. Otherwise, um, you know, I mean, hey, it's a fight. I mean, anything can happen, you know. But uh, obviously, you know, if Stipe sticks to his wrestling game and Engano can't stop it, it's Stipe's uh, fight. But if Engano can stop uh, uh, the takedown attempts and, and keep it standing more, then I favor Engano. So it's one of those things. I, I don't know who's going to win. I just know that scenario outside of a, a good power shot from each one of these guys. That's the way I see it going. And let me ask you this, just on uh, because we don't know who's going to win this fight, but but we have a good assumption. Do do you think John Jones is going to play any kind of factor in the heavyweight division? I mean, whoever wins this fight, do you think John Jones has what it takes to beat either one of these guys? I mean, we obviously know Ngannou is going to land on John Jones. Can John Jones take those punches like Stipe did, and then can he outwork someone like Stipe at that level uh, as a heavyweight? And Stipe does punch hard as well. And everything I just said, does he have? Any, do you, Do you think he's going to have any impact at all in the heavyweight division, or is it going to be like uh, Adesanya? Nope, I believe he's going to have a big impact. I believe I so. he's going to do it right. He's been doing it right. He he. You watch him. You watch what he's doing. He's big now. He he's no light heavyweight anymore. He's a legit heavyweight. I believe John Jones is going to come out there, and I'm not going to be shocked at all if he wins the and uh, his first try at heavyweight. If he wins the title, I'm sorry. Yeah. He, this guy this guy is like GSP in the way he calculates everything. He looks at everything. He plans it right. He doesn't do anything without knowing he can compete and be the best at that division. And, and I believe that John Jones believes he's, uh, he's the heir apparent to the heavyweight division. And I believe he's doing everything in his power to make it happen. And I'm not going to be shocked if it happens at all. Not at all. I agree with you in his prime. And, and, I, and the, things that play, the thing that plays into my head the most is Habib when he said that a fighter can only have one prime. He can never come back and have another prime. He can still come back and fight and do whatever, but you only have one prime. 
I don't know if John is still in his prime. I think he's post prime, and and I I keep playing these fights in my head where he's had you know struggles to win at 205. Talking about uh, you know he had a tough fight with many guys. I mean the list can go on, but definitely Santos and Reyes and uh, Gustafson and, and these guys where he's had tough fights at 205, um, and now he's going into heavyweight. That has to, you know, if it was like he just blew through everyone and never had like like a Habib type who just never had trouble or a GSP type who was on like a crazy win streak, 12 fight win streak before he went into middleweight. Um, I think he would have what you said, an easy way to win the title. The fact that he struggled at 205 against some of the 205 fighters that even after they fought John Jones didn't do good and have been losing as of late. So they're, they're not even powerhouse fighters either. Um, that makes me kind of question if he's going to have any kind of success at heavyweight. It's all it's all on motivation, you know. To me, yeah. I look at like how motivated was he to train for this person? How motivated was he to train for that person? I know when he fought DC, he was the most motivated John Jones we could get, and we got that John Jones. The, yep. the motivation was it the same John Jones with all the other guys? I don't know. Only John Jones could tell you that. But I know he was motivated to fight DC. He had a point to prove. And I believe in the heavyweight division, it's the same. He's got huge motivation. He's got a point to prove. And I believe uh, don't sell, don't sell, don't sell him short, man. Yeah. That guy, that guy, that guy doesn't do anything without knowing he could win. If he didn't think he could win, he wouldn't. He wouldn't even step in there. Don't you remember the one time when he had that one bout that he that got canceled? Him, I think it was Belfort or something like that. And he was preparing for Belfort, and then uh, Chael uh, Chael come in, and he's gonna fight him. He he declined the fight. He declined the fight on short notice because he didn't prepare for that type of wrestler. Oh wow! So that's the type of person that that that, that Jones is. You know, he's not gonna sacrifice nothing unless he knows he can absolutely positively win, and that's what this guy's gonna do. He doesn't like to lose. He does everything he needs to do to win, regardless of what he has to do. He'll do it. And um, that's the kind of person you're dealing with right there, in my opinion. So that's why I never count him out. And that's why I'm not counting him out. And I don't believe he's that old. I don't know. Is he 33, 34, maybe 35? I don't know how old he is. But he's not that old. No, he's not. He's not. He's definitely not old, for sure. I just know he's getting kind of uh, older. And he, and he had to sit out a little bit of his prime because of uh, uh, issues well, and stuff like that. Yeah, but, well, Miocic's 37. You know, yeah. he's not older than that. And Miocic, look at him. He's a... Specimen, you know, he's incredible. You but know? he hasn't so, had too many struggles. Yeah. I mean, he's been caught yeah. by DC and 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 laid out, which I think is amazing for DC to have a great win like that over such a great heavyweight. But he hasn't really had the struggles that John Jones has had. That's the that's the difference. But I'm going to agree with you and say that uh, John Jones. We, we used to say AK all the time when we'd fight fighters and we were coming up that were undefeated. Uh, it's a tough fight because the fighter doesn't know how to lose. And that and and for people that don't understand, when you lose a fight and understand that it's okay. And this is the worst thing that happens to a fighter. When you lose, it's devastating. But then uh, in time, you realize it's okay. You pick yourself back up and you move on. And some fighters still don't want to lose and it's death to them. But to some fighters, it's okay. So when you get out there and it gets tough and things get, you know, kind of in, in a bad situation, 
you know, you kind of give up a little bit because you're like, ah, I've lost before. So I agree with you in the fact that John Jones hasn't lost and he doesn't know how to lose. He always finds a way to win and you are 100% he prepares and he's very smart and he's very calculated. Um, I'm just more worried, I guess, about about just the time off, the times, the struggles that he's had and just where his body is and stuff like that more than himself. I'm not trying to knock John Jones in his IQ and his fighting abilities and techniques for sure. He's, he's definitely outstanding in that regard. His IQ, fight IQ is off the charts, bro. It is. That's what his I'm saying. Prep, his, yeah. his preparation, his preparation, taking care of his body, off the charts. This guy does it right. No, nah, I'm sorry, but anybody that discounts him, you're fooling yourself, man. This guy's this guy is never lost legit for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, yeah, sure, he's lost a lot of rounds. Some have been very close and some may be questionable and this and that. But the guy keeps winning. Yeah. Guy keeps winning. So, you know, say whatever you want. You know, that, that guy knows how to win. And uh, he, he didn't just jump into heavyweight. He gradually brought his weight up. So that's why I don't discount him at all. No way. I have to say, I agree. I mean, like, essentially, you can't really honestly doubt someone that's never lost until they lose, no matter how close it's been. I mean, he has won every fight. Um, essentially, obviously, the Hamill fight uh, is, is not a, a, you know, it wasn't a legitimate loss. But um, anything else you have? Anything, uh, anything, any, any, uh, oh, just a little bonus um, other than the USADA thing uh, before we go, since you don't have a headline or anything. Um, is there any updates on Habib and uh, the team while you're out there that you can share? Anything significant before we go? Uh, no, wait, I mean, I got, uh, uh, no, Habib's cousin, Manap, he's fighting on, on the, the Stipe and Gano, Gano fight on, mm-hmm. uh, March 27th. I got, uh, you know, his, his cousin, his other cousin fighting in Bellator, you know, Usman, uh, you know, so he'll be, well, Habib and I will be cornering that at, in Connecticut, the Bellator event, you know, for his cousin. And then after that, I got about three weeks at home before uh, I take off for uh, Mowgli Benitez fight back here in Las Vegas, I believe. And then after that, I'm going to Uzbekistan, my favorite place to go uh, with uh, Cain Velasquez. We're doing, I believe we're doing some uh, meet and greet and maybe uh, cool. uh, we're doing a master class in Uzbekistan. So that nice. would, that's going to be cool. And uh, maybe I'll get DC to come on board too. Maybe he can come, but we'll see. I don't know if cool. the timing works perfect. Maybe I can get both my champions to go to Uzbekistan with me. Awesome. All right, well, cool. All right, well, thanks, Javier, for right. being uh, the first All guest right, on buddy. the MMA Headlines uh, news segment. I appreciate it. Great talking to you. Thanks for the insight. Yeah, thanks for making it 35 minutes. Hey, well, you know, thirty-five, an hour and five. It's you know, it's that's all relative, Hob. <laughs> yeah, it's this is how I relative. trick you. <laughs> I meant from this okay. point on, thirty-five. But thanks, okay. thanks okay. for doing the okay. first long one. <laughs> all, all right, buddy. Thanks, Hob. Talk to you soon. All right, man. I'll talk to you.